Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Welcome to our guided liturgy podcast. This week we are in Advent 3, and the theme for the week is joy. And we have back with us Taryn Jost, who's been in quarantine for the last several episodes. So it's good Six months. <laughs> oh, it's only been. Yeah, it feels like, what, <laughs> a year. And also, as usual, we have Seth and Dulcie with us. And so we're going to continue with where we left off last week. We talked about the theme for the second week, which was peace. And this week we moved to joy. And um, we do just hope that this can be a time of light and of peace in your life in this uh, otherwise turbulent time. And we hope for you that the light of Christ, the Advent, as the prayer says, would dawn in your hearts as you journey through this season. It's good to have you. A voice cries out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. So let us listen and turn to the Lord in penitence and faith. Lord Jesus, you came to gather the nations into the peace of your kingdom. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You come in word and sacrament to strengthen us in holiness. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You will come in glory with salvation for your people. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Bloom, let's join with the church worldwide and say the prayer of the day together. Stir up your power, O Lord, with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Over the hills and air 
please join me for the prayers. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer. That God may bring in his kingdom with justice and mercy, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may establish among the nations his rule of righteousness, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That we may seek Christ in the scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That with all the saints in light, we may shine forth as lights for the world, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of our Heavenly Father. Almighty God, as your blessed Son, Jesus Christ, first came to seek and to save the lost, so may he come again to find us in the completion of his redeeming work. For he is now alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Here reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people from whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear a reading from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, 
Then were we like those who dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad indeed. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses of the Negev. Those who sowed with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying the seed, will come again with joy, shouldering their sheaves. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now they have been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. In this scene, John the Baptist is standing, calling people to repentance, calling people to step into the kingdom of God on the earth. And he's really seeing a movement of people come, and um, and they're coming in expectancy, and they're coming, uh, I would I would think probably from a, a place of wanting more than what this world and what these systems can offer. They're wanting that peace and that joy, that reign of the Messiah that they've been hoping for. And he's standing in the very place, as we said last week, in which the people of God wandered, that place that represents uh, being left behind and being kind of clueless as to what is going on in the realm of the divine. Now they're being drawn back into that place again, uh, not to be lost and not to wonder, but to, to encounter new life, that peace and joy that the Messiah would bring. So this third week of Advent calls us to center on that theme of joy. In our reading from Isaiah today, the prophet is giving us a picture of what the reign of God will look like on the earth, that good news will be brought to the oppressed, that the brokenhearted will be bind up, 
that liberty and freedom would come to the captives. It's this beautiful picture of the reign of Christ on the earth. And those words are claimed by Jesus himself. When he walked among us, he said that he is the one that Isaiah spoke about. And if we think about everything that Jesus embodied, the love and the peace and the healing and the grace and the promise and the hope that God is to us, it's just beginning in this story. His people haven't grown up as we have with that knowledge that God has come and walked among us as a human in the person of Jesus. They're literally at the beginning of the story of incarnation. And so they're hoping that the Messiah would come. They're expectant that the systems of oppression and harsh rule that the societal structures that leave people to be hungry and left behind and sick, that there would in fact be a cure for all this. There would be a better way. That better way would be the Messiah who walks among us. And so they're coming out in hope and expectation. That's the whole posture of our hearts in Advent is a posture of expectation. So what we see in this story is expectation embedded in the hearts of people journeying out to the wilderness to meet a prophet who is foretelling of the coming of hope and peace among them. It really is the picture of where we all are in this season. And it's this visceral longing for the world to be made right. That's why they're coming. That's why they're approaching the prophet John the Baptist. And then there's also the religious leaders. And they're coming more to scrutinize and a question, and perhaps to see if they can invalidate the work that's happening among the people. And so they come to John the Baptist and they demand to know who he is. Why do you say these things? On what authority do you stand? And I love how John replies and says, it's not really about me at all. It's about the one who's coming, the one whose sandal I'm unworthy to untie, the one who will be baptized in this place, who will walk among us, who will crush the powers of oppression, who will defeat sin and death for all, who will show us what it looks like to be fully human, inspired by Christ, filled with the Spirit. He's going to change everything because he is God with us, Emmanuel, the Messiah. That's where we're standing in the story. And I think that's why the church has called us to joy in this third Sunday of Advent. Because we know it's coming. We know what came for those people. We know what transpired and what became made flesh among those people, God. And we know what that means for us. We know the words of Jesus. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you until the end. Though the world will pass away. Though systems will come and go. Though kingdoms will rise and fall. I remain and you remain. And that's truly the story of your existence. That you're held. That you're loved that you're known, that is the Messiah coming into the world to save people. That's why we have joy. What is about to unfold before those in the story is unimaginable. And what is unfolding before us each and every day with the invitation to be part of the story, to receive Christ, to walk with him, filled with the Spirit of God, is just as beautiful and just as wondrous and inspiring as it ever has been. God with us in hope, in peace, 
and joy and in love. I think it's really on the drive down, but what I think you're talking about kind of resonates with me is something Seth said on the first Advent, which was just like Christmas feels different now than when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. I feel like what joy means is different than what mm-hmm. I used to think it was. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a piece of expectancy, there's a piece of that expectation that the light is coming, that's still all there. But in lieu of just not feeling very, just quite candidly, not feeling much joy in my life, I wonder if for me the call is is to say maybe this joy in my adulthood is deeper and more complex and that that's what I'm waiting for than just feeling better for an evening or an hour. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was interesting that you, I think it was off Mike, but talking about how when John talks about Jesus, it's his, it's his whole life, but it's at the beginning. So it's, it's before Jesus has done his ministry. So it's that same expected, but not yet, <laughs> sort of mm-hmm. joy, sort of like hold, pause. And I really feel that way. And versus last week when I felt like I was kind of a mess, and I probably I still am a mess, but joy doesn't feel... Um, like as much of an insult as peace did to me. (laughs) I don't know why, but there's something that I can identify that as a child, I, the joy was the smell of the Christmas tree, the presents, being with my family, the food, and that Jesus is, is building on that and making it more and more. Uh, And I am looking forward to that joy. Joy has that, it's hard to describe what it is, but it has this quality of being received and experienced mm-hmm. in dark places. So it's different than like happiness or right, reminiscence right. or so, you know, you think about all the people to whom Jesus imparted joy and the man that couldn't walk and was left behind by mm-hmm. society's progress and the woman who was about to be killed for being caught in adultery and right. another woman who was bleeding and sick on the path and I mean, Lazarus who had died. Just the life of Jesus just is this, is so beautiful in that he constantly is bringing his presence and his joy mm-hmm. into those places that are received by people in really dark, hard, hopeless situations, and they like experience it. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's so unexpected. It's so unimaginable what it would look like for the Messiah to come. And, and when John says to them, there is one who's coming. Not to like call you to some like really uplifting worship service, not to like fill your stocking, but to go into every hard place he can find and and give people himself. That's that joy that the Messiah is bringing in. They have no idea what's going to happen, but John does. I love that you said that he, that John's living in the already and not yet. He somehow knows what it's going to be. And he just, there's one who's coming. You can't imagine what it's going to be like. Just sitting in this conversation, and Dave, as you were just talking about the passage, I just, like, in my spirit was feeling inspired, like, right? Like, as you're talking about what these people are hoping for and looking for and what's being promised to them and and the goodness of that, I'm finding myself, like, getting sucked into that and being like, yes, <laughs> yes, and then... 
on the flip side of that, the conviction of like, but we we do see that we we yeah. read the whole story. Jesus came. We know that story. We got to see it. We get to see it play out in scripture. And we have access to all of that now. It's not even an anticipation for us as much as a reality. And the conviction for me is in a maybe darker season, mm-hmm. that reality hasn't changed. Like there's access to that still, and it might look different, but that doesn't change the reality. For me, it is causing me to want to sit a little bit longer with what does that mean to define joy how would I define joy Mm -hmm. and trusting that it's still that I still have access to it Mm -hmm. and that it probably is just not quite so instant and easy and convenient maybe but there's something there maybe in having to dig for it a little bit Yeah, when we talk about Advent, we're talking about looking forward to not only in this, as we go through the church season, looking forward to Christmas, which is remembering the incarnation of Christ, but it's also looking forward to the end of all things in which all things will be made new in Mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think about those people whom Christ encountered and imparted joy. And Oxford Dictionary defines joy as a feeling of great happiness. And I can see that. And the people that Jesus encountered, that they were in a place that was so, so dark and isolated and hopeless. And I could, I can see how they experienced this like great happiness, not in outward things, but this inward reality that they experienced. But then I think about now as we are in Advent again, waiting for the remaking and the renewing of all things. And I don't know, I'm, I mean, it kind of goes back to what Dulce was talking about. How does that look now? Like if someone told me, it walked up to me in the middle of everything that we're going through and said, you should experience the joy of Christ, you know, the, this feeling of immeasurable happiness, mm-hmm. of deep happiness. I would go, yes, but I think I'd, I think I'd the, tell them to the piss road, off. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because it does, it's like you can see it in the stories, mm-hmm. as it's. But to say the same Christ, and we believe even incarnated through the people of of God in the church, the same Christ can meet people and meet us. But it, it there's something about it that feels so hard to claim. I don't have a whole lot to say on this subject. If if anxiety was one of the themes of Advent, <laughs> I could speak on that more, but. I think joy is something that happens to us that like is, I guess C.S. Lewis would say it surprises us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that sure we can, we can look at the promises of God. We can look at the things that he's given us and we can find joy through those things. But I also think it's, I mean, even in the Psalm that we read, it's a joy is a response to something. Mm-hmm. It's not just mm-hmm. something that you can choose for yourself. I don't think even though the, event, the evangelical the church would says, say. <laughs> but I read a bumper sticker that yeah. says you can <laughs> and should. That's, that's good to hear because I've never thought that was true. <laughs> but you, you can choose to see things differently, I think. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can choose to recognize the joy that comes from restoration, I think. Yeah. 
I get caught up on, on that phrase, that choose choose joy mm-hmm. phrase a lot because I'm like, ah, that's never been my experience really. It's always just been something that's happened that is a response to something else. Mm-hmm. Especially if you lay this against the Christmas story, you know, um, I've not had a child, so I can't like speak firsthand for this, but Mary gives birth to Jesus in a very messy, mm-hmm. out of control as a as a woman, I would hate those hospital conditions. Okay, I wouldn't love that. But you imagine when she holds her chi- her first child for the first time, the joy that's given to her. Mm. And I think it's. A, and I was even thinking when you were talking about the shepherds. <laughs> it sounds dumb, but an announcement is made, mm. and then they worship. And it's none of those things are them choosing. Mm-hmm. It's something that naturally is given in the moment. So I think you're right. I think part of Advent is maybe holding that tension until joy is given yeah. or joy comes or we receive that joy. I don't know. And if I'm misspeaking no, for you, I, I don't mean great. to. I, yeah, I love the way you're saying, Seth, the things that you can choose. And I think the idea of who you're choosing to put your hope in, what's the fallout of that? I think of that passage in Nehemiah where it says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's this time when they're in confession and repentance and mm-hmm. whatever. And, and Nehemiah is giving them a reprieve from that and saying, do not grieve at this point. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like in that he's saying, choose joy. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like he is pointing them back to who are you putting your hope in and, and refocusing on and who is your God. Mm. And as a result of that, like you're saying, mm-hmm. there's an experience of joy that is complex and looks different right. in different ways. I love the distinction between choosing and receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That um, even in this story, those who go out are not choosing anything. They're just so desperate mm-hmm. for something to change, mm-hmm. for something to happen, both in the metaphysical realm and in their tangible world. And... Um, to me, it speaks more of a posture. And that's something I've learned yeah. from each of you that, you know, I, I can go dark. My wife will kind of call me on it and say, hey, you're going dark with all the things that are going on in the world and the political mess that we're in. And, and like, I know when I've done something in my heart that, that in my being, that I've switched off that expectancy. And it's not to say that we always have to be joyful or choosing, it's not this striving Right. But it is saying, be at least open to receiving it because that's right, how right, God right. works most of the time. And yeah. I have to call myself. Yeah. And you all know this about me that I get into a place where I've shut it off. Mm-hmm. And so joy could be rushing mm. upon me and crashing against my being. And I'm like, not going to receive it. Mm-hmm. It's all to say the work is not choosing it. The work is not forcing it. But mm-hmm. the work is attending to my heart and my being that the door is open to receive the joy that Christ brings. I mean, that to me is such a helpful distinction. Yeah. But maybe that's the call for us as a community in this season is to be a community that, that gently encourages each other to remain open and in a sense to take that walk out to the wilderness to meet the one who's saying it will all change. Yeah. Hold out hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because no one wants to be in a community that that's, everyone's yelling at everybody to choose joy or to be in a certain state of being. Mm-hmm. But we all, I do think, want to be in a community that calls us to be open to the beautiful, to the profound, to the unimaginable that is Christ. In the tender mercy of our God, the day spring from on high shall break upon us to give light to those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Bloom, may the peace of God be always with you. People of God, return. You are called to be God's own. From the mountains announce the good news. God comes in justice and peace to all who follow his ways. You are God's children. Lord, make us one in the peace of Christ, today and forever. Amen.